Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. First time I ever pulled a plane was in May of 2018. Our church used to join other churches and civic groups from around the region on the tarmac out at Brooklyn Airfield every year to participate in the Dumas Wesley plane pull. Unfortunately, that's one of the things that didn't come back after the COVID times. But we had a team at each plane pool, and we even have a plaque in our offices from the award we won in 2018. It just happens to be the slowest pulling team award. But we got him. We got a plaque. I still to this day believe we were only the slowest pulling team because the pilot up there in the plane like waited a second or two to take his foot off the brake just to sabotage us. But as much as I remember pulling that plane, I equally remember something Gene Warren told me that day. I won't forget it, and I won't forget the context of where we were. My daughter August was two months old, and she was out there with us, and, and we were reflecting on being dads, and he was giving new dad you know, advice, as we tend to do. And he told me the saddest thing about parenting is not being able to remember your child other than as they are in this moment. It's like you can conjure a memory from the past, from years ago, and in our minds, we superimpose our child as they are now into that memory. I thought that was kind of weird because that's not the way memories work. But the older my children get, the more I realize he's right, at least at this age. August is five, almost six, and when I bring to mind memories from 2020 or 2021 in my recollection where she should be two and a lot smaller, and before her curly hair came in, all I can see is her as she is now in the memory of that day. It's actually kind of crazy how hard it is to remember her as she was without the help of photos and videos. Do you, have you experienced that with people in your own life or your own memories? Uh, it's the reason why I now have 53,000 videos and photos on my phone and give Apple a lot of money for iCloud storage. When just about five years ago, I only had a couple hundred. And it's like, why do you need so many pictures? Because I'm desperate to capture these fleeting moments. I'm afraid to lose what is so good about the here and now to unreliable memories. One of the things I have never had a hard time with is appreciating the moment. People say, you should live in the moment, be present in the here and now. If you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm a seven, and I'm as seven as it gets, which means I like to do all the things and have all the fun, and I live for the moment. I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my job, I love this church so much. In the last episode on the television show The Office, Andy Bernard has a great quote where he said, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before they're gone. I tend to think about whatever moment I'm in as the good old days. I know my entire time in Mobile has been the good old days. And to be honest, it's why I identify with this story so much that we just read from the Gospels. 
It's why I often find myself feeling a lot like Peter. Prior to this story, Peter, James, and John, and along with the rest of the disciples, they were following Jesus, and they were feeding thousands of people, and they were traveling from town to town, and they were performing healings and miracles, and they were some hardworking dudes. And then Jesus decided he needed a break. In the Bible, when the scriptures say that Jesus goes up on a mountain, it typically means he's taking time to, to rest, to retreat, to, plur- to pray and reflect. And although the disciples were used to retreating with Jesus, this ended up being quite different than their other getaways. They get up on this mountain, and they're resting, and they're praying, and all of a sudden, Jesus' clothes become dazzling white, and he starts glowing. And then two dead guys show up on either side of him and start talking to him. I mean, it's pretty crazy if you think about this story, right? Imagine if you went hiking. You went hiking with me and Reagan and Kathy. The four of us, we went on a hike together. And we all got kind of sleepy, so we stopped to rest. And all of a sudden, you look over, and Kathy is glowing white. Just imagine, instead of that red hair, bright white. And her clothes are white, and she's shiny. We can't even look at her. And then all of a sudden, Thomas Jefferson and Martin Luther King are standing on either side of Kathy. And she's just talking to him like it's normal they're there. That's essentially what's going on in this text. Jesus is dazzling white with the two biggest figures in Israelites' history right there next to him. Moses represents the law. In the first five books of the Bible, like Thomas Jefferson, who wrote our Declaration of Independence, and Elijah represents the prophets, like Dr. King was a prophet working against injustice. These great patriarchs, Israelite people, they they have been dead for centuries, but there they are standing and talking to Jesus, who's glowing white. If you're the disciple, surely you're blown away by this, right? This This has to be one of the wildest, most amazing things you've ever seen. It's such a great moment that Peter never wanted it to end. He wanted to stay there forever. It's so great. He's like, let's just not go back down the mountain. Jesus, let me build three dwelling places for you. One for you, one for for Moses, one for Elijah. And we'll just hang out here forever and be best friends. It'll be great. But the scripture said that Peter did not understand what he was saying. In his mind, he was thinking, This is as good as it's going to get. This is the good old days. So let's just build some buildings and stay here. But Peter didn't know what Jesus knew. Jesus knew they couldn't stay up there retreating the whole time. They had to go back down the mountain, join the others, and get back to the hard, the good work. That's what I mean when I say I'm a lot like Peter. I find myself often saying, man, things are so good. Let's just never leave. Let's just do what we're doing right now for forever. I tell my daughter and my son all the time, stop growing up. Be this age. I tell my wife, I don't like getting older. Things are hurting more. I wake up more in the middle of the night. I look around our church and and maybe other than conversations around denominational realities, I like things just as they are right now. I love this church. I love what we've got going on here. There's so many people here I love and so many people who love me and my family. We have incredible ministries, a great staff. I love teaching Bible studies and worshiping together. Sometimes I look around and it's like the church is glowing with blinding light. 
And let me pause and say, I don't think it's a bad thing to appreciate things. The Bible is full of people who offer thanksgiving and instructs us to do the same. It is a right and good thing to give our thanks and praise, we say every month in our communion liturgy. That's the ethos of tradition. We can hold a firm things to be good that are good now and that have been good for a long time. It's why we recite the Apostles' Creed and sing old hymns and build our theology on the backs of people who came before us. Thanksgiving for God's blessings, it's a necessary part of the Christian expression. And Jesus took Peter, James, and John back down the mountain. Peter is saying, wow, this is so good. Look at how amazing this is. Jesus, let's just stay here. And I wonder if Jesus heard Peter saying that, looked at him, and thought to himself, you think this is cool? You ain't seen nothing yet. Because what would have happened? What would they have missed if they had just stayed up there on that mountain? Well, keep reading in the Gospels. If you do, if they had never left that mountain of transfiguration, they would have never seen Jesus giving a blind man sight. They wouldn't have been a part of the palm processional into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. They wouldn't have been there for a supper to celebrate his last day on earth. They wouldn't have been there to hear his teachings about the little children. We would have never gotten him telling us about the rich and the kingdom of God or his explanation for which commandment is the greatest. And most importantly, if they had just been fine with things as they were, avoiding change for the sake of familiarity, Jesus would never have been able to take the opportunity to give himself up for the sins of the world and he would have never risen from the dead to offer everlasting life. The transfiguration is great, don't get me wrong, but it's not the resurrection. There is nothing more essential to our faith than the resurrection. I mean, Jesus is doing something really cool up on this mountain. But as the disciples are looking on in amazement, surely Jesus is smiling inside thinking, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, over the past few years, I've, I've heard the people use the terms traditionalist and progressive a lot. Some of us self-identify as one or the other. Others of us are thrust into one of those categories. Typically, traditionalists are those that are thought of wanting to keep things as they are, stay up on the mountain, or to go back there to the way things used to be. Progressives are the ones who want to change things or alter the status quo. And in today's day and age, the pity is that we think if you are one, it's impossible for you to be the other. We live in a world of dichotomies where life has to be either this or that, and one group has to be right or wrong, and your decision to be in one is an exclusive one. You can't blend lines. But one of the biggest blessings of the transfiguration story, and Jesus' story writ large, is that we learn that Jesus cares about things of the past, the present, and the future. We can celebrate what was, what is, and what will be. I give thanks for our tradition, for those who've gone before us, for the faithful witness of our church and all of the churches who have been doing God's work 
before any of us were just a twinkle in our mother's eyes. Next week, we're starting a whole series on the Apostles' Creed for six weeks for all of Lent. We're going to go dive deep into the most ancient liturgy that we offer on a weekly basis. It's super old, and we still hold it to be true today. Nothing says tradition like affirming the Apostles' Creed. And I also give thanks for what is happening right now, for the fact that we are a church that offers both traditional and contemporary worship, for the fact that I get to serve alongside my sister, who is also a pastor in the United Methodist Church, and for the chance to serve an amazing congregation filled with incredible people, new people who are joining us each week. In many ways, our church in this moment is both traditional and progressive. We are of the past and oriented towards the future. And I also know that though things are good right now, there's still much that God has in store for us. God is not resigned to the past. And God is not stuck in this moment. God is also moving forward with us each God's activity is not like purchasing a new car. It doesn't depreciate with time. It's like a fine wine that gets better with age. If you think about it, Jesus himself is a traditional progressive. He went to the temple to offer worship in ancient ways, ways that are much more ancient than our own. He knew all the old laws. I mean, on the last night of his life before he was arrested, he was hosting the Passover meal, the most traditional of traditions that the Jewish people had to offer. But when he quoted the law, he'd often use this phrase. He'd say, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Do you know what that means? It means the law says this, but you misunderstood it. There's a new way to read it. Our tradition says this, but we should be doing this. You've heard it said this, but I tell you. God was still moving, and Jesus wanted the people to see it, just as God is still moving, and we're all looking for it. And during that last supper, that Passover tradition, he took the ancient liturgy that the Jewish people have been doing for centuries, and he did something new with it. After the supper was over, he took the bread and he broke it. And he added this new line. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. That sounds so familiar to us, but it was brand new for Jesus. And then he took the cup, the same cup that had been a part of their tradition for hundreds of years. And he held it up and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. I'm doing a new thing for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus celebrated what was and spoke about what was to come. Jesus was traditional and progressive. Jesus was the one who shone with glory at this mountain of transfiguration, but told the disciples that they can't stay there no matter how good it was. And so today I'm telling you the same things. Do not succumb to being forced into an identity box caused by culture wars of our society. You don't have to just be this or that. Christ calls us to more than labels. 
There are things we hold true that have been true. And there are things that need to change for us to be able to help see the kingdom of God made known on earth. If things were now as they're supposed to be in eternity, then it would all be over. But there is still work to do. You can be thankful for the past and hopeful for the future. You can see the goodness that is and recognize the kingdom that is to come. And it's also okay to love the life you have, to give thanks for this moment, to cherish your fond memories, but don't stay on the mountain forever. Believe with me that God has great things in store for all of us. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. If you've got a breath left in your body, God has something to do with that breath. Your time on earth is precious. And every moment is a chance for God to do work in you and through you. Believe with me that God has great things in store for all of us tomorrow. On the other side of this mountain, there are still great things for your life. Once you're willing to let go of this moment and move on to the next, I pray you will see the blessings that are waiting in the next season to come. And even though things have been great at Dolphin, Dolphin Way in the past, and even though they are amazing right now, I know God's not done with our church yet. Not by a long shot. God still has countless great things to do in and through this congregation, just as I can point to dozens of transfiguration moments going on right now and hundreds in our past. All of those moments, though, were dependent on our congregation coming down the mountain so we can move on to the next one, so we can experience what God has for us. And friends, I'm not going to lie. There might be a mountain ahead of us. I've been calling 2024 the year of prayer and preparation because there's still a great deal to be determined that will affect the future of our church. Our denominational realities still seem to be unsettled. Our church budget has a very real possibility of changing drastically. And we are every day trying to navigate the new landscape of church life in a post-pandemic world. I don't know all the lies before us. I cannot predict the future. I don't have a crystal ball. But I do know this. I trust God. And as for me and my family, which is you. We're going to follow the Lord. I know that God is not just confined to our past and that God is not limited to this moment. God was and is and will be. God is the Alpha and the Omega. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that God has great things yet still for each one of us and for this congregation. God will not leave us. God will not fail us. God will not forsake us. God is going to continue shining with glory. We're going to continue seeing transfiguration moments. And when we see those moments, we're going to stop and we're going to praise and we're going to give thanksgiving and it's going to be amazing. And then we're going to come down the mountain and we're going to do it all again. We're going to keep doing God's work. Nothing's going to stop us from doing God's work. Until the kingdom is known on earth as it is in heaven, we're going to do what God has called us to do because that's who God is and that's who we are. The God who blesses us each and every moment still says to us, this right here, this is great. But you ain't seen nothing yet. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.